Peace and blessings, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Adulting Sucks, right? I am your host, Liz. And while adulting may suck, I try to help you navigate through the trials and tribulations of this thing called life while dealing with anxiety and depression. So from dating to forgiveness and everything in between, I share my life's journey with you to help you make your lives just a little bit better. So wanted to kind of do like a weekly check-in. Um, as I have explained on my previous podcast, uh, last week's podcast, and also I, you know, um, kind of posted it on social media that my grandmother passed, uh, during Memorial Day weekend. And so yesterday was her funeral service. So, um, you know, I just want to say rest in peace to Alberta Bowen. She was, um, a great woman. She was very sweet, but she also knew how to Joan with the best of them. And you couldn't say anything about it because she's Grammy. So, um, so tomorrow I'm a little bit nervous about going back to work because I know that I have like a shit ton of emails and I don't want to have to deal with it. I don't feel like dealing with people asking me how are you doing or my condolences or anything like that. I just want to, you know, get to the point where I'm just getting back to getting acclimated with uh, work. Um, because I, for the past week, I have let things fall by the wayside, like school and work. Um, and honestly, even with like, you know, building my website and whatnot, just because I've been trying to sort out my feelings and emotions about the death of my granny, um, because it was literally, she was there Friday, um, uh, begging to God for, to, to take her home. She was ready to go home. And the next day he, uh, blessed her by sending her home. So just, you know, seeing that, um, I'm going to be honest, guys, it's it's a little bit traumatic for me because I've never seen her in that vulnerable state before. And I've never seen anybody, you know, I mean, besides myself, when I was, you know, dealing with my depression and whatnot, you know, begging for death, but to see her do that. And then the next day she was gone. It's just, you know. Um, something that is going to be forever embedded in my mind. So I think that's something that I'll have to deal with through therapy and through coping. Um, so if anybody is dealing with grief uh, of a death of a loved one, or even somebody that has wronged you and you're not able to get that closure that you're looking for, um, but still going through the motions of that, I mean... Um, check out my previous episode. I talk about grief. I talk about, you know, how to deal with it as, um, it is something that does stay with you pretty much for the rest of your life. 
So, um, but yeah, other than that, I have just been spending time with family, you know, my friends, shout out to Brittany, um, DeMarco, shout out to Robin, Lex, um, homegirl, Beth, like people have been showing me love, Bryce Ian, like I really appreciate, I really appreciate it. Also, my homie, um, Brian, I mean, everybody has been showing me lots of support. Um, I also want to say a special shout out to my cousin, Samantha, because, uh, she has been there to help me deal with some things. And even her, uh, son, my godson slash cousin slash nephew, Devin, um, he has just been through this entire process you know, he's been strong. He's been asking questions. Um, he's cried, you know, he's trying to understand things and, you know, just to see him comfort, you know, his mom and comfort me is, you know, something that definitely puts a smile on my face. So, um, my aunties, my uncles, everybody, I just, I just want to thank everybody. Um, because, the one thing I can say about my family is that we don't, we're not really the arguing type or fighting or anything like that. We all came together. We were, as my mom would say, sniggling and giggling, even during the funeral. Um, and even when we were surrounded by my granny, you know, as she was, you know, unfortunately taking her last breath, we were still finding ways to comfort each other through laughter and just supporting. So I'm, I'm just glad that we were all able to come together to support one another and um, and just put aside our differences just to make sure that the homegoing ceremony uh, was one of celebration and remembrance. So with that being said, let's hop into our dose of positivity. So with this segment, I get tired of seeing stuff that comes across my news feed or on my notifications that so-and-so got shot or this is going on in our government and all this other bullshit that's happening. So I decided to have a, a segment of a dose of positivity just to, you know, um, put a spotlight on some good things. So something that could uplift your spirits. That could make you feel good about something, you know? Um, so I came across this article of uh, Jay-Z becomes the first billionaire hip-hop artist slash businessman, according to Forbes. And um, so shout out to Jay-Z. Friend, friend, friend. Him and Beyonce are doing big things. I love the fact that somebody from Brooklyn who grew up in the slums, who, you know, um, was doing things he had no business doing, but, I, you know, that was part of his survival to come up in a music game, to be considered one of the top five, to become an icon, to be able to um, make a huge influence on pop culture, 
on black culture, on um, American worldwide society, just, you know, for him to go from the slums to being a billionaire, that's a black billionaire on top of that, a black male billionaire is just something to celebrate. So um, I love it. I mean, I am so glad to hear that you know, he is being recognized as an icon, as a billionaire. Um, some of his business ventures are his, um, he made $310 million on Armadi Brishnock. I know I said that. I know I fucked it up, but whatever. I'm sorry. But um, this is his uh, champagne business line. Also cash and cash and investments. Um, he has a vast investing portfolio, including a stake with Uber that totals $220 million. Also um, with his cognac um, joint business venture with Bacardi, he um, created Duce, which I'm not a big cognac person, but when I do request cognac, I request do say because that shit goes down smooth and it's good with orange juice and the, not orange juice, but apple juice and a little bit of ginger beer. It'll get you right. Um, also, he has a hundred million dollars in title. Rock Nation, 75 million. His music catalog is worth 75 million. Um, collection. His art collection is worth 70 million dollars. Um, and also his real estate is worth an estimated $50 million. So again, shout out to Jay-Z. Um, I mean, he is really doing big things and that's just something to be very thankful for. Also shout out to, uh, Rihanna, who is now considered the wealthiest female musician in the world. Um, she is making more ducats than Madonna, Celine Dion, and even her homegirl, Beyonce, with a reportedly $600 million from her, um, her not music collection, uh, with Fenty Beauty and also with her clothing line venture that she's coming out with. So um, shout out to both of them. You know, uh, I, I noticed that with a lot of the artists, like hip hop artists, R&B artists that make it into the genre and or make it into the music industry and they become successful, I feel like that's how... Like maybe music is the way that they get in the door, but that's not what their initial goal was. So for them, for both of them to have these different business ventures and they use music, they use hip hop as a way to open the door to provide other opportunities for them, their family and their community. I just think is is such an awesome thing. Like, um, I'm not saying that I'm trying to get on that level, but if I can, you know, get into the podcast and it becomes successful to where I'm spreading the word about 
mental health and just, you know, sharing my personal experience to help other people um, and then become successful as a result of it. It, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, I'm striving to do, but Rome wasn't built in a day. And, um, I just remember Rihanna being Palm the Replay, which was one of my songs. And, um, remembering Jay-Z's, um, I'm feeling it. I don't know the, the, the name of the song right now, but yeah. For them to remember where they were and how they started and coming up and where they are right now it is they're basically doing bigger and better things with their lives. So again, shout out to the both of them. Shout out Rihanna, shout out uh, Jay-Z. So, so yeah. So um, what I'm going to do is just take a quick break and I'll be back. And we are back. So next segment is going to be a little bit of ratchetness and a little bit of righteousness. So this is where I talk about, um, I pick a topic or two about all things ratchet and righteous in pop culture. So with June being Pride Month, um, it's something that even though I... I don't know. I guess we'll that that'll be a topic for another day. Um, <laughs> but uh, with Pride, it's something that I'm always excited about because we do celebrate Pride here, Pride Fest in St. Louis, and it's I live in the neighborhood of where the parade is going to happen and like the fun and festivities that goes on. Me and my friends who are, you know, it's a combination of friends who are married, who are single, who are straight, who are not, who are queer. I mean, we have like, I have, I've been blessed to have a multitude of, you know, different uh, social and sexual backgrounds. So it's just always nice to come together and to celebrate Pride. So this month again is Pride Fest, um, but which is good. That's the, that's the righteous part of it. Um, I can't wait. If I'm not mistaken, I believe June 30th or yeah, June 30th is when they're going to have the festival here. But I know that throughout the month, they're going to have different events that happen on the Grove, which is kind of our strip of the LBGTQ Please forgive me. I don't remember all the rest of the acronyms, but um, it's like the area where they kick it. And I like going there. Um, They have great food, great music, great fun. I like watching the drag shows. Um, I love it. My friends love it. And so that's that's what we tend to do from time to time. But the ratchet part of it is... Um, Boston. <sighs> My thing is, why Boston? Why do y'all have to have a straight pride parade? Part, the, the, the reason why there is a gay pride parade is to, for one, bring more awareness to the LBGT community, but to also let people know that they're proud of who they are, no matter what 
what society says or what even religious groups say about them. And it's just, it, it, it sucks when heteros um, hate against other people or discriminate. So basically, um, these fools done in Boston filed a discrimination complaint against the city of Boston regarding the gay pride parade that's going to be happening in the city and have decided to have a pride weekend of their own, which of course is called a straight pride parade. Um, honestly, I think it's ridiculous. You know, unfortunately, um, those who are not heterosexual or homosexual or lesbian or queer or trans um, non-binary, pansexual, um, all the things in between are ostracized by our society and our community and is fucked up. So why not give them a month to celebrate being being proud of who they are? Like, I don't see anything wrong with that. But unfortunately, you got some people who are so closed-minded that they feel like They need to have idiotic events such as the Boston Strait Pride Parade. And it's going to be scheduled in um, August. So I see that there was an Instagram post. I'm not going to say the name, but Instagram post where it reads, it looks like the Boston Strait Pride Parade will happen. We filed a discrimination complaint, and it appears the city of Boston understands they would lose in litigation. The city is now working with us on the parade, and we will have the streets closed and be allowed. What does it say? I don't know, because it's kind of covered up by this red circle. Something in vehicles. The tentative date is 831, but will be finalized in the next few weeks. The proposed Parade route is below. If you would like to come as an individual, march as a group, or bring a floater vehicle, then get in touch. This is our chance to have a patriotic parade in Boston as we celebrate straight pride. This is so fucking stupid. You know, I do not... As a Black woman... I don't like being discriminated against. For one, because I'm black. For two, because I'm a woman. I don't like being discriminated against. I don't like being stereotyped. I don't like being put in a box. So I can only imagine someone who has a different sexuality um, or belief is being ostracized or made fun of via media. You see it in the news. You see it on TV shows, cartoons, whatever, that is looked down upon. As a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, Alabama uh, on PBS had refused to show a viewing of author, um, which is the show that I grew up on, um, with Mr. Ratburn, who I always knew was gay. I just knew it. I, 
I just knew it. It was just always something about him that I knew he was gay, but it was about gay marriage. And for the state of Alabama to, you know, prevent other uh, parents and kids to watch the show so that way parents can explain about sexuality and people who are different than them to educate them. to They took away their choice, their right to make a choice on if they were going to allow their children to or children in Alabama to view that particular episode. Because you may have, you know, blocked the episode on PBS, but you can still go on the internet and find it. And if a child is really interested in wanting to know more information about that or to see that episode, then they're going to find it regardless. So why not instead of ostracize or hide the fact that these are the things that happen within our society, the things that happen in our in, in the world, educate. Like education is so important with our children to let them know that there are people that like the same sex. There are people that feel like they're in the wrong body and they make they go through the process and changes to become who they want to be or who they need to be. And so, you know, again, I don't have children, but I have a ton of nieces and nephews and cousins and great nephews and nieces who, you know, if they were to ask me a question about somebody that is different, I'm going to educate them because ignorance is not always bliss. And as we go through and live through this technological age of exposure where children are being exposed to things at an earlier age, they're going to have questions and they should not feel ashamed or uh, feel like they're going to get in trouble if they ask their parents or guardians questions about sexuality or religion or why is this part or racism or things that's going on in this world. So I just urge parents and guardians, grandparents, aunties, cousins, whoever, like, stop this hate. This shit it is not worth it. Just think about it. If you're a black person and you hate on somebody who is a homosexual, put yourself in them. Think about how you are hated against because you're black or you are hated against because you're Hispanic or you're Middle Eastern or you're Asian or whatever. Think about that. Put yourself in their shoes and really think about how you want to be treated as a person. I think if more people will just focus on treating others with respect, which it says in the Bible, then the world would be a better place. That and every and if everybody smoked marijuana, the world would be a better place. But that's a different topic episode for another fucking day. So. You know, um, it's it's sad to hear about something like this, but I'm glad that it is something that is going on because it's going to help bring awareness to the fact that people are using hate as a way to alienate a specific group of people. And it's not right. It's some bullshit. And y'all really need to check yourselves. Welcome back. So at first I was going to do an episode or the main topic was just going to be about 
um, dating woes, but the more I think about it and it seems like the universe is against me when it comes to dating woes, because maybe I just need to save that for a later time. Um, maybe just to evolve a little bit before I start sending that because I've tried to record that episode like five or six times and each time my computer would crash. I've tried doing it on my cell phone to record it and it, the sound quality just sucks. And so I have, you know, thought about it, meditated on it and even did a little bit, little bit of praying about it. And I think that maybe talking about um, insecurities would be more beneficial for y'all. So instead of naming this episode dating woes, how about insecurity woes? Because I lately, well, pretty much because of the things that I've gone through as a kid, um, whether that be mental, physical, sexual, pretty much anything you can think of with abuse throughout um, my childhood, my adolescence, teenage, even like early adulthood, I've dealt with it all. And a lot of times I was growing up, I mean, I was called so many names because of my hair, because I have such a kinky texture type of hair. So I was called um, Baldy. I was called Sonic the Hedgehog. I was called so many different names or my hair is nappy and your hair is not cute because it's nappy. My mom tried to straighten it. Granny tried to straighten it. Nothing worked. So um, they even tried the Just For Me perms, which was, I'm going to tell y'all, was not for me. I was doing grown ass relaxers at the age of five and six years old, which now thinking about it, no. So for parents out there that don't accept your kids, hair types, if it's more kinky, coily, accept that shit and please don't put them through the traumatic experiences that I've gone through. Um, Cause it's, it's really not worth it. In the care of, I mean, just for the sake of what societal or society says about what your hair texture should be or what's considered beauty, but whatever. Anyway, I'm not going to even preach on that right now. I'm going to try to stay on topic, but that's part of my insecurity. So a lot of people who know me knows that for like the past three years or so, I've been doing braids. Every once in a while, I wear my hair out, my natural hair, because uh, for some of our natural women, 4C is my texture. And so that is the most kinkiest, coiliest um, hair that it is for everybody and it's known to be stubborn it doesn't I don't have loose curls I have super tightly curled coils and um my hair is longer than what it looks in its natural state so I might have like a mini afro but my hair actually comes down to my shoulders so whatever you know 
Um, but that's part of my insecurity. My insecurity at first was my hair because of what I was because of conditioning. And for those who who don't know what that is, conditioning is just the way that you know you've been told this one particular thing about yourself for so long that you become um you just figure that's just part of who you are and it may not even be the case a lot of times it's not even the case so I've been conditioned throughout my childhood and adulthood to hate my hair but then I had to as I grew and got to know myself and start focusing on my insecurities and focus on my securities then I realized that my hair is a reflection of myself. It's resilient. It's strong. It is stubborn (laughs) because it does not want to, you know, loosen up or whatever. But I have found ways to, to just work around it. And I wouldn't change it for the world, you know? So... I am basically just going to give you some tips and tricks on how to increase your insecurities um, and what your insecurities are and how to just either, basically, we all have insecurities, so just embrace that shit. If you really are that person that wants to improve on yourself then there are things that you can do to improve on your insecurities. Um, So I will use this as an example. My weight. My weight has always been an insecurity of mine since I was about maybe 10, 11, because I was told that I was thicker. I was shopping at JCPenney in the husky section instead of the little girl section. So... You know, they didn't really have all the same clothes that they would have in the kids section. So it was embarrassing to shop there because I got a little bit of extra meat on my bones or I'm a little thicker than some of my cousins and friends and whatnot. So, you know, over time, even in high school, you know, I always thought I was overweight and fat And because my hair is short, I wore a lot of braids. Um, I can even remember a point where for the longest I was a tomboy. So if you're an 80s baby like myself, I was wearing my hair slicked down with the little butterfly clips, some little clips that be in your hair. I had that. And I would wear like, my mom worked at a department store in the young men's section. So I was wearing like Union Bay or Nautica, baggy jeans, Jabos, whatever, with a big ass Nirvana t-shirt. <laughs> and because I was ashamed of who I was, you know, I had these curves, my breasts were big, you know, cause they developed when I was like 10. So I'm having these big breasts and these hips and waist, whatever. And I was always so self-conscious about it. And plus, you know, coupled with the fact that, you know, I've had, I, I, I never understood it, you know, grown-ass men looking at you like you're a grown-ass woman just because you got body parts that look like a grown woman, but you're still a child. And so that was always uncomfortable for me. 
you know. Um, so that's why I dress like a guy. I mean, I just because I didn't want people to have that pointed out. But when I moved in with my sister, my oldest sister, she was I remember eighth grade. She was like, no, you're about to go to high school. You can stop slicking your hair down. We're about to shape it up. You're going to start wearing girly clothes. And so I remember going to like JCPenney and Ventures. That's how like way back it was. And bought me all these little girly clothes, Walmart clothes or whatever. And so I'm having like these cute, I can remember eighth grade. I come in, I got my hair in like this little short style, like Tony Braxton did back in the day or Halle Berry. And so I had the short hair, you know, I had these like um, soft green linen pants with this cute little shirt that was fitted and these cute like brown sandals to go with it for my eighth grade picture. And I can remember, I'm not going to be used his name, but I remember this guy who was, I guess he saw me for the woman that I was becoming, quote unquote, and wanted to kiss me. And so I remember kissing him, being caught kissing and taking my pictures and how much my sister made me look like a young lady. And it was weird I wasn't used to people come, you know, I wasn't used to my class, my male classmates looking at me like, damn, she has, she got some curves, she got some hips, ass, little titty. You know, I didn't, that's not how I wanted to be viewed. And that's because of the insecurity I've had because of the sexual trauma that I endured as a child. And so I know, I know for sure there are plenty of women, even men out here, that have dealt with that same thing. And especially when you coming up in age where puberty hits, or you just trying to figure out who you are, um, trying to find yourself, trying to figure out your awkward ass body. And that was the moment that I remember that I came into, you know, or seeing the potential that I had as far as being a beautiful black woman. And, you know, of course, after I graduated and went to high school and stuff, you know, I, I, I did settle more into trying the girly thing, but I really preferred to just be comfortable and be myself, whatever that was, you know, at the time. And so uh, my mom, she worked at the Tommy Hilfiger section of a department store and so I remember getting a lot of those clothes um and just wearing braids more and just trying to be more girly trying to wear heels but it was it was just awkward for me I just would rather wear sneakers and some jeans and a t-shirt and call it a day but still trying to go into my own and then you know after high school hitting being a young adult going off to college and still carrying those same insecure hangups of your hair being ugly, you're ugly, you're four-eyed, you're a nerd, you're this, you're that, and not really having that, you know, um, being very insecure, I just started accepting, you know, any male attention that would come my way. 
to where if they said that I was pretty or cute or whatever, then I would, you know, suck that up. And they knew that. And, you know, I ended up doing things that in the past I would say I regret, but I don't regret much. And that's one of the things that I don't regret because it's just, you know, part of my evolution. But just knowing that, okay, I have something that guys want. And in order to get the attention from them, I have to do this in order to fill up my self-esteem cup. But then at the end, it ended up not even working because my cup was still empty or filled up to a point where it was just so minimum that it didn't even matter. And so um, that only added to my low self-esteem. And um, going through my 20s, like my early 20s, even my mid-20s, between dealing with Sexual assault, mental assault. I've been in a physical abuse, physically abusive relationship a couple of times. Just dealing with, just having those things happen, but never dealing with them. It created, on top of having a mental illness, um, being bipolar, being depressed, having anxiety, just only added. It was just basically fueled to the fire, and it got to the point where. It just made me not give a fuck about who I was as a person um, or anybody else. It was just about what I was trying to achieve. And that was love. That was self-esteem, but it wasn't good for me. And so the reason I am putting myself out there and just telling my, you know, just a glimpse of what my story is because I know that thousands, maybe millions of other females or little girls or teenagers are either going through this, have gone through this um, in the past. And it's not it's not right for us. And so um, part of as parents, part of building self-esteem is making sure you're instilling in your, in your child how wonderful they are. Not really necessarily, I don't want to say putting them on a pedestal and feel like that they can achieve anything based on their looks or whatever, um, but just letting them know that you are a king, you are a queen, you can't come out here and you could you could go for whatever you need to, you want to go for. If you want to be a makeup artist, be a makeup artist. If you want to be a politician, I may not agree with it, but be a politician. If you want to be a doctor, do what you need to do to do it. But I don't agree with killing a a child's dream or killing their self-esteem. I believe in just making sure that we instill realistic values in our children to make sure that they are confident in what they want to do in our society or for our society, because let's face it, like the kids that we are raising are going to be taking care of us. They're going to be the one wiping our asses. So just imagine you are at the point now where 
your grandparents or your parents or your uncles, aunties, great uncles, great aunties, cousins are starting to get older and die off. Just imagine that shit is going to happen to us too. So why not, you know, instill in our future generation things that are going to help them or values that are going to help them in the future? I mean, to me, that makes sense. And I may not be a parent, but I am an aunt. I'm a, I'm a great aunt. I have plenty of little cousins. I have cousins that look up to me like I'm their auntie. And I have, you know, done the things or been part of the experience of parenting. Um, and so I feel like I still have as much experience as somebody who is a parent. So, you know, I just think that making sure that we start small and we start with our children to build the self-esteem, to nip that insecurities in the bud so that way they don't become like us. Because why will we continue a generational cycle when we can end that shit? We can nip that shit in the bud and keep it moving. We can uplift our children. We can uplift our teenagers, even our young adults, we can, it's it's not too late. We can still do that. And these days, we not only have to worry about, you know, gender, but sexuality, race. We have so much that we have to focus on. And I think that part of helping to reduce the... Um, insecurity woes is by starting off small. And so, like I said, for all you parents, guardians, great parents, whatever, instill that into your kids, man. I'd rather for my kids to be confident. They may not be super successful, like celebrity status, but they're still successful in their own right. And they they leave this earth knowing that they are confident and sure of themselves. They're not letting their insecurities hold them back from obtaining our, from obtaining their goals. So um, after this break, I'll come back and we'll talk about how insecurities could actually hinder your goals and what to do about that. We'll be back. And we are back. So during the break, I decided to go on the interwebs to try to um, look up some things about self-esteem and things that, that can be done to help those who struggle with it. So one of the things, the first one is um, use positive affirmations correctly. So positive affirmations is you are a powerful black woman. I literally said that today to my mom and I, right before I went into the office, because I was just like so deep in depression this morning, I can barely get out the bed. So it took a while for me to get out. And then once I got out, I was like, having anxiety and stuff about going to work, getting to work, doing my emails and stuff um, because I knew I had so much of them and making sure that I'm not fucking up. And so like my mom was giving me 
like little affirmations to say, but then I finally said as I was parking, I'm a beautiful black woman and I'm going to be successful. And I took that and ran with it. So it says here, use positive af- affirmations correctly. Um, pat, pat, uh, positive affirmations such as I'm going to be a great success are extremely popular, but they have one critical problem. They tend to make people with low self-esteem feel worse about themselves. Why? Because when our self-esteem is low, such declarations are simply too contrary to our existing beliefs. And so with that being said, I don't think I could say today that I'm going to be a great success, but me saying that I'm a powerful black woman, I know that it's instilled within me um, despite my circumstances, despite the fact that I've gone through what I've gone through, that I'm still a powerful and you don't have to put, you know, black woman or white woman or Asian woman. You could just put, I am a, I am a strong woman who is going to conquer the day. And so you don't need the racial added to it. You could just say that as a woman that I am powerful because I feel like we are. We have proven ourselves time and time again that we are and is not true to contrary to our existing beliefs. So I think by using positive affirmations correctly can actually help you then hinder you. So even if it's just something as you look cute in your little skirt today. You said it's your positive affirmation and work that shit. Walk through the office like, I'm the shit because I got this cute little skirt on today. And make it work. If it's some cute sneakers, some socks, whatever. You know you got a cute bra and panty that's matching. And you know that shit is working for you today. Use that to be confident, to work within yourself. For men, if you got a fresh new pair of boxers, wear that shit and be confident with it. So moving on, um, identify your competencies and develop them. I swear, sometimes I have trouble with words, whatever. So it says here, self-esteem is built by demonstrating real ability and achievement in areas of our lives that matter to us. If you pride yourself on being a good cook, throw more dinner parties. If you're a good runner, sign up for races and train for them. Ensure, figure out your core competencies competencies and find opportunities and career that accentuate them. So I think that this is a great way to build your self-confidence or to build self-esteem by identifying what you're good at and making sure that you develop them. So one thing I feel that I'm good at is being relatable because I've been there, done that, moved on or probably haven't moved on, but in the process of moving on and, you know, having some mental health issues because I know that that is something that is going on with a lot more people than what you think. So just knowing that as a child, I knew that one of the things that I wanted to do was help people, whether that was through being a orthopedic or not an orthopedic, but a pediatrician surgeon, pediatric surgeon, or just being a medical doctor. I knew that, or even just doing what I do now, just listen to people. That's something that I knew I always wanted to do to help people in the health field. And that's something that I'm striving for. 
So you have to identify what you're good at and making sure that you take a they take the time to develop them. So if that includes going online, going on YouTube, wiki, um, help or whatever, whatever it is, make sure you do that to be the best you that you can be. And so with number three, that is learn to accept compliments. Okay, so it says here, one of the trickiest aspects of improving self-esteem is that when we feel bad about ourselves, we tend to be more resistant to compliments. Ooh, child, I'm talking about I'm guilty of this shit. Even though that is when we need most of them. So set yourself a goal to tolerate compliments when you receive them, even if they make you uncomfortable. And trust me, they will. The best way to avoid the reflective reaction of batting away compliments is to prepare simple set responses and train yourself to use them automatically when you get good feedback, like thank you or how kind of you to say that. In time, the impulse of denying or rebuff compliments will fade, which will also be a nice indication your self-esteem is getting stronger. Oh my gosh. So I can honestly say I have been in situations and it seems like lately, like within the past month and a half, I've been getting compliments about my looks, about how young I look, which I don't necessarily agree with, but whatever. So for example, I was over at my best friend's house and we're, you know, waiting for dinner to be prepared by my friend's hubby. Um, And one of their friends, the wife came up to me and said, hey, you are very pretty. And I was taken aback by that. I had to clutch my pearls and be like, and I gave her a hug, like, I love you. <laughs> because I didn't, you know, for one, I wasn't expecting it. But for two, I think if she would have came to me like six months to a year ago, I would have denied that shit to the day I died. But this time I was like, you know what? Thank you. I love you. That was my, that's what I, that's what I said to her. Like, thank you. I love you. Because... For another woman to recognize the beauty in you, your physical beauty, is something that can be like, oh my gosh, thank you. You know, I did try today. Or it could be, thank you. I really didn't try today, but (laughs) I still look good doing this shit. And it's nothing wrong with that. So I think that learning to accept compliments and even complimenting other people can really help boost your self-esteem. Sometimes what I do is set a goal for myself and be like, all right, yo, what I'm going to do is compliment one person for the day. It could be, oh, I like your shirt or, oh, shit, where you get them shoes from? I like them shoes, girl. Or, hey, i noticed that you got a new haircut today. It could be whatever, But as long as you complimenting somebody, because trust me, since everybody has insecurities, if when you 
acknowledge something positive about somebody, for one, it helps them feel good about themselves. And for two, it helps build an ally. I'm just saying. I'm not doing it just to build allies, but I'm doing it because I know how it feels to, you know, actually receive any positive feedback. So number four is eliminate self-criticism and introduce self-compassion. Y'all, my therapist gets on me each time about being compassionate towards yourself. So it reads here, unfortunately, when our self-esteem is low, we are likely to damage it even further by being self-critical. Since our goal is to enhance our self-esteem, we need to substitute self-criticism, which is almost always entirely useless, even if it feels compelling, with self-compassion. Specifically, Whenever you self-criticize or self-critical inner monologue exam, ask yourself what you would say to a dear friend if they were in your situation and direct those comments to yourself. Doing so will avoid avoid, avoid damaging your self-esteem further with critical thoughts and help build it instead. And so I can 1000% agree with this. I know, I know for sure, men, women, y'all go through this, looking in the mirror and being so self-critical about yourself. Oh, shit, I got this big-ass belly. Nobody's going to love me. Or, oh, shit, I'm dumb. I'm stupid. Nobody's going to value my opinion. I ain't shit. I ain't going to never be shit. My kids ain't going to be shit. Y'all could be pretty, we could be pretty harsh on ourselves. I mean, it's been times I looked in the mirror and be like, I ain't shit because I'm fat. I'm always going to be fat. I'm going to never be skinny. And I go on about my life, you know, but I still feel very um, bad about myself. So I think by eliminating the self-criticism and being more compassionate, being more loving towards yourself and saying, hey, yo, stop this shit. Give yourself, like, sometimes I give myself a physical hug or I look in the mirror and I give myself a kiss and I say, Liz, it will be okay. It's okay to feel this way because you're not the only one. Liz, it shouldn't even matter if you're not the, if you are the only one. Because these are your feelings and your feelings are valid. So by doing that and it helps eliminate being so critical and just being more mindful or cognizant of your compassion towards yourself. I even had it today, this morning. I literally had trouble getting out the bed this morning. Only reason I got out the bed is to pee. So I wouldn't pee in the bed. And then I laid back down. I was like, yo, I can't do it. Like this depression is kicking my ass. And I had to, and I felt guilty about it. I had to send, you know, a text message to my supervisor and be like, yo, I, I ain't got it in me, basically. And even still going into work, my mom, during the 30-minute journey to work, had to put me through 
or help me go through, put more compassion on myself. So I had to tell myself, Liz, it's okay. You're human. You're going through grieving. You're going through depression. You're having some anxiety and it's okay. I still love you. I still care about you and do as much as you can. Whatever you can do, at least you still attempted and at least you made it further than what you are to, you know, yesterday. And my mom had to tell me this and I had to tell myself this. And it brought me through the day because I'm in St. Louis. So the blues are kicking ass. Let's go blues. And so I ended up getting to leave an hour early because of the game. And so I think by part of, and I'm going to give y'all a little secret, part of introducing yourself to new um, what word do I want to use? New tactics to build your self-esteem or your to help with anxiety or depression is reward. And so I feel like today, because I kept pushing myself and I'm like, Liz, you can do it. You can do it. You got it. You only got two hours left. And when it got to that last hour and then being rewarded with the fact that I get to leave work an hour early was something that helped me. And it could be something as simple as, all right, Liz, if you turn in your homework on time or if you achieve these three goals during the week, then by the end of the week, you can go get your nails done. Because I pride myself on having my nails done. I love getting my manis and patties. I love getting my hair braided. And so those are the things that help you know, eliminate self-criticism and introduce more compassion because through self-care, I am introducing self-compassion as well. So um, the last thing is affirm your real worth. And with that, that is something big because The thing is, it's going to take work to improve your self-esteem. It's going to involve developing and maintaining a healthier emotional habit. But if you think about it, when you do it and you do it correctly, it's going, the benefit and the reward is, is that it's going to provide like great emotional and psychological return. And you know how big our our generation as millennials are. We got to have a good return on investments or ROI. So I think if we invest in a healthier, maintaining a healthier emotional habit or psychological habit, that our ROI is going to be high when it comes to emotional and psychological. Ain't no other way to really put that. So I, you know, other things that you can do is journal, is music, is play video games, is talk to a peer, talk to a parent. If you don't have, if you feel like you don't have anybody to talk to, contact your local um, hotline, your behavioral health hotline, where somebody is going, who volunteers to listen to you. That's going to understand you. You can even hit me up. I'm here to help you, to help understand 
and to point, give you some guidance as to how to deal with the feelings that you have towards yourself. But the main thing, the main takeaway from this is show compassion. I literally hug myself. I see myself in a mirror and I will give myself a literal, a literal kiss. I will tell myself it's okay to feel this way because you are human. It's okay to feel like this because we are human beings. So take that how you want. I, you know, wish everybody the best. I hope everybody, you know, people who are listening to this will take this into consideration because I want y'all to be successful. I want y'all to be uh, healthy mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Because we are not going to be able to conquer this world, to conquer this earth until we, you know, uh, reverse the effects that have been bestowed uh, upon our ancestors. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back. Welcome back. We are off to the last segment, which is what grinds my gears. So um, going into the whole dating scene, um, this is what grinds my gears. Men, women, specifically with men. You are not entitled to my body. In this climate that we live in, where it comes, you know, where you hear about women becoming, getting date raped or assaulted or sexually abused or roofied or anything, you're not obligated. You're not entitled to our vaginas or coochies, or pussies, whatever the fuck you want to call it, you're not, it's not yours, it's ours, it's mine. So if you are a sexual predator, if you are a person that feels like you're entitled to a woman, even if you are a man that feels like you're superior to another woman, go get help, go see somebody, figure that shit out, because it's stemming from something. Maybe you was the one that was abused by your uncle or your cousin and you're trying to figure out life. Maybe you got something psychologically wrong and you need to be evaluated. But what you're not going to do is mess with these women. Women, for those who are using date rape drugs and other means to rob these guys or to um use any type of mental abuse to gain for financial gain go kick rocks go get a job figure out your life and figure out why you're doing this look deep within yourself because it's not right it's not right to take advantage of other human beings because you wouldn't want somebody to do that to you so why would you do it to somebody else Dating should be fun. 
Dating should be an exhilarating experience to get to know somebody outside of your comfort zone. It shouldn't be about, am I worried about if this individual is going to do something bad to me? If this individual is going to do something harmful to me that is going to, you know, psychologically and emotionally fuck me up for the rest of my life. Just stop it, y'all. And specifically with men, if you all have some type of issue with your confidence, with your self-esteem and your self-love, don't date because you're going to, you're going to, no matter how you try to sugarcoat it, you're still going to project that onto a woman. And it's not fair for us. It's not fair for us to deal with that shit. It's not. I'm going to keep it short and just say, if you're wait, if you're willing to date, date. If you are not ready to date, don't force yourself. Don't go by what society says, what you should and should do as a woman. Don't let society dictate what age you should be to have a child. I'm 35. I don't have any kids. I'm not trying to have any right now. And I'm okay with that. Janet Jackson had a child at 50 years old. So let's not let society say that if you're 40 or 45 or 50, that you can't have children. Because, you know, guess what? You can still adopt. There's plenty of children out here that need your love and support. And for men, if you got hang up and baggage, go get some help. Women, if you got hang up and baggage, go get some help. There are psychologists, therapists, counseling. There are all types of different groups and things available, resources available for you to little to no cost that can help you. So with that being said, take care of yourself. Take care of the people around you. And uh, that's what really grinds my gears. Dating doesn't have to be hectic. It can be fun. Like, my view of dating is going out to Six Flags, going to different carnivals and festivals, walking through the park, eating ice cream, sitting on the porch, drinking wine, and talking. Just being around each other and not having to worry about if I don't do something sexual to this person, then I'm going to be punished. I don't want to have to think about that. I've been through too much shit already. I just want to be free and I'm sure you want to be free. So be free to be who you are. And if you know that you need work or feel that you need work, go get that work. Because that's what we got to do, man. And so with that, in closing, I just want to thank you guys for listening, for tuning in to another episode of Adulting Sucks Right, you know, because with the tools and the advice that I give, you know, um, it doesn't really have to suck. So 
If you have any questions, concerns, listener letters, you can hit me up on the anchor.fm app to leave a voice message and I can put it on the air. You can also hit me up with your questions or stories or advice on adultingsucks84 at gmail.com. You can also hit me up, Liz Myers. You can find me on Facebook, on IG, adultingsucks84. Um, if you have questions or, you know, um, any words of wisdom, or even if it's something that you, a topic that you want to listen to, you could hit me up on IG under adulting hashtag adulting sucks podcast. And I will take everything into consideration. So the question that I'll leave you with is, what are some of your dating experiences? What are some things that you dealt with in dating that has taught you to be a better person? Or even like, if you got some horrible dating stories, please send them. I would love to hear them and I'll read them on air. So um, I'll leave you with this. You know, Despite the fact that adulting does suck, after this episode, adulting doesn't suck after all, right? Keep that in mind. I wish you peace and blessings. Wear your seatbelts, drive safe. Good night.